Hey, profs. Welcome on in. My name's Rob Lightfoot, proud two-time alum of Rick Edelman College of Communication, class of 2000-2001. This is Beyond the Brown and Gold. I'm Jessica Kennedy. I'm the co-host here, also a two-time proud Rowan alum, class of 2008 from the Rick Edelman College of Communication and Creative Arts, and 2015 from the College of Education. Thanks so much for joining us today. Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM presents Beyond the Brown and Gold, a show that highlights the lives and memories of Glassboro State and Rowan University alumni. Now, here are your hosts, Rob Lightfoot and Jessica Kennedy. On today's show, special guest, Rowan Radio alum. That's not the most exciting part. No. About Michael's decision. No. It's just the very start of what makes him fun. Tell us more, Rob. Yeah, sure. So, so Mike, radio, TV, film alum from back in the day here, uh, went on to do a, a bunch of like little small independent stuff, but then he happens to work for this small organization called, I don't know, the Philadelphia Phillies. <laughs> yeah. He's a two-time Emmy award-winning filmmaker, cinematographer, and editor. He joined the Phillies in 2013, and we talked to Mike about the Emmy wins, the independent filmmaking, and how he got really his start Right here at Rowan. And the idea of just being a fan and also now working for the organization and what that looks like for him. So it's kind of It's cool. kind of like how I feel about us, like, working at Rowan, right? Like, we're big fans and yeah. we work here. Yeah. Kind of cr- Great ambassadors. Very similar, right? Very similar. Similar story. Enjoy Mike's story. Okay, Mr. Frog, I'm sorry to say, but your mortgage is four times overdue. We're going to have to evict you from your swamp. Well, I gave me a letter to Miss Piggy to mail. I guess you haven't mailed it yet. You're, you're sure you didn't get it? There's, there's nothing? There's nothing that we can do? I'm sorry, Mr. Frog. There's nothing we can do. You're going to have to pry me out of here because I don't, I don't plan on moving. You're going to have to try and find me. The incision of a warped mind. With Mike and Carmen. Rowan Radio Rock. So when was the last time that you were in... WGLS Studios. Oh my gosh, it has to be at least ten years. Really? It, it really does, and it's funny how much looks the same and how much changes. It's like, yeah, you remember everything like the the real to real machine in this studio is exactly where it always was, and uh, but like I, I was saying earlier, I was walking through Bozarth Hall. And it's all drywall now. Like the yellow tile that made it look like an elementary school is all gone. <laughs> kind of miss it. Kind of miss it. I, I do. It actually feels narrower and a little, like it has less personality. Yeah, like, it's more corporate. It's more corporate, right? <laughs> um, I was trying to peek into some classrooms, but there are classes going on. I'm like, oh, this is going to be weird. I should keep going. But if you remember <laughs> back in the day, they had lockers. So the lockers have been swapped out for those cases so they can put up all of their awards and accomplishments and other addressings. So. Now, you guys didn't overlap, the two of you, right? Because Mike and I overlapped for, you were 06, I was 08, so a couple yeah. of years. No, I, we we didn't overlap. I just but you but you hung you were I around, around the studio. Yeah, a lot. I was like a bad penny. We still can't get rid of him. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, we, well, you invited me back. It's your problem. <laughs> well, you were always known as doing the, especially the Christmas Eve show with Derek. Yes, yeah, yes, like yes, that yes. was always the the biggest show of the year. And still, things don't change. Mike. <laughs> I love it. Playing enough Perry Como. On yeah, yeah, Christmas yeah. morning. <laughs> but you spent a lot of time in these studios as oh, a student, my. right? Absolutely. I, I I mean, I was a commuter, so. I had no dorm to go to, so when I wasn't in class or doing anything, I was here at the studio. Mm-hmm. And uh, whether it was literally just sitting around and hanging out with people, I, I remember uh, 
I think it was Mark Thompson set up uh, an emulator of Tecmo Bowl on the computer in the back, <laughs> and we would play Tecmo Bowl. Or I'd just sit here, I'd go into the, the roundtable studio and just do homework or, or catch up on reading. Because, again, I, hadn't, I didn't have a dorm to go back to. It's like, why drive all the way back home? So I just hung out here, uh, and that's where I spent so much of my free time. Did you choose Roan because it was close to where you grew up? So Roan was... I, I hate to say this, it was my fourth choice. Oh, wow. Four. <laughs> Four. Wow. Can we name the other ones? Like, uh, are they still in business? They are still, okay. they are, they are still in business. The All first right. one, NYU just could not afford. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Temple University of the Arts was, well, that's an arts degree, and to my parents it wasn't a real degree. So <laughs> we ended up here at Roland, right. which I still went for radio, TV, film. So but basically, get, a stiff wind brought you here. But basically, <laughs> what I'm hearing. Like, but it was local enough. But I, I, I certainly made the most of what I could. And finding the station here is where I kind of helped find my identity while I was at the school. And I still, I, I gained a lot of skills while I was here that I still use in my day to day job. Um, and did you it, join the station right away in your freshman? Absolutely. It was one of the first things okay. I did as soon as I got here. As as a matter of fact, I joined late. Um, and so there wasn't an open slot, so they paired me up on an early bird show with Paul Gronowski. And Paul and I did <laughs> the early bird got show it, on one it, of those it. mornings because he was one of the few that wasn't paired up. That, uh, they would only pair up, like, microgroove or, or early bird, like uh, those specialty shows or the rock shows, but not the normal, like, 9 to 5 daytime. I got paired up with Paul, and that's where I got to bring some of my goofiness in it. Like, we had a reoccurring segment where called Dramatic Interpretations of Today's Popular Music. Where I would read. Frank the... probably loved that. <laughs> he never told me no, uh, but I th- I think Derek found it funny. And so basically, the 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 basic premise was I would read the lyrics of popular songs at the time, like I was in a a poetry slam, and Paul would be there banging on the table like it was bongos and doing the backup vocals. So it was like, "Bring me to life." Evanescence was big at the time, so it was like, "Wake me up, wake me up inside." <laughs> I can't. Wake up. And then you realize how, like, how the things tr- they let us do on the air here. <laughs> it's really, they but really should they stop. explore the space, though. <laughs> they really should. But it was good. Like, that was kind of my humor. Like, yeah. I, I my, my childhood hero was Weird Al, and I grew up, like, as a geeky kind of pop culture nerd. And I like doing weird things. And uh, that's kind of where I found my avenue. Um, my time as pro- promo director here had some really wacky stuff going on, like, where uh, promoting even my own rock show, uh, Carmen Marino and I, we were doing like Yoda impressions and Rocky Balboa and Kermit the Frog impressions in our spots that were playing during the daytime. And I'm sure anybody who's listening to it, you know, just hears Journey and then they go into like us talking like, you know, like making these sounds. We had a, we had one where Chewie goes in for a job interview. Oh, I love that. That is Derek on the other side. Like, (laughs) Chewie, how are you doing today? And it's just that the whole spot. And like so, I that's where I found a lot of my goofy outlet, and I, I did a lot of that here, or at least as, as far as they would let me get away with. You were also involved in RTN, though, right? I was not. I was you involved weren't. in Cinema Workshop. Oh, okay. Because RTN and uh, I don't know if it was like this when you were here, but I felt like it was like you couldn't be in RTN oh, and Ron Radios. So no, you had it to was, choose one. It was like it was almost like a two like sharks and the jets. Like it was down to like. If you were you RTN or you GLS, and there was no there was no mixing. There's so a, Cinema Workshop makes sense because we didn't. I don't think we had any. We weren't threatened by them. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I apologize. <laughs> but we I mean, and, and even in Cinema Workshop, I, I only did a, a handful of things there. I did two films, one of which was a complete unmitigated disaster, 
Um, we shot with 16 millimeter film, the first and only time I've ever shot a sync sound film with with film, like actual real film. Yeah. Yep. Um, and if you if, what you know is like it's 400 feet, so you get three reels, 400 feet. That's about 12 minutes of reel. We shoot through the first reel, oh, it goes fine. And we were shooting back on the green here at Bunts. And it was a stupid film called Strolling Minstrel, where a guy dressed up as like a Shakespearean minstrel is trying to impress a girl with a guitar and just sing, being goofy. And in the end, he gets beat up. The second reel, uh, our DP found out that when he was changing out the mags, the magazines, it fell off the take-up reel. So you have two reels. So it's going from one film through the, get through the gate where it's getting the image and then going through another reel to collect it. Well, it fell off, which meant the entire reel had a scratch on it, which meant it was unusable. <laughs> so when we had to what reshoot... What did you get for this project, an F? <laughs> <laughs> so we then had to reshoot it, and the third reel, we go through it, and then we find out at the end that the battery on the camera started waning, but the indicator was broken. There's There would be an indicator light that will tell you. So that means the film started rolling at about 18 frames a second. Well, film runs at 24 frames a second, which means none of the sound would sync up. So everything then looked like a Charlie Chaplin movie. Oh, my God. And so we had three reels of film. Two of them were just destroyed. We still finished the movie. It looked terrible because we digitally altered it to try to fix it. And that was the last time I ever shot on film. Wow. What a good <laughs> learning experience, but though. But this might have been why the kids here weren't so scared about the uh, cinema workshop people. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've been through the trenches. We've been through it all. Like, you come out like Mad Max at the end of it. Yeah, yeah, no. I, I, I would be remiss to say, too, I, I am not a movie watcher at all. I, I just don't have the, the focus for, really? that, for that. I just can't. I cannot watch movies. I just... It, they're just, it's just taking me too long. I need 20 seconds, 30 seconds. That's 20 what, seconds? Not 20 seconds, but I mean, like, <laughs> like I, I find it funny because I, I watch QVC because I'm like, sell me a spatula in five minutes and then yeah. move on to something else, right? Yeah. Give me give me some Tupperware. Are you buying um, spatulas a lot? No. Okay. But <laughs> I, I, I'm saying this to say, uh, you know, you referenced Weird Al. One movie I will watch, there's only a couple movies that I will watch since I, that I, I they're like just classics in my head. Um, UHF. I just watched that yesterday. <laughs> I got to tell you, it is one of my favorite. It's never on TV, but if it's on, I think it's on Amazon Prime. It, I, I will watch that all the time. One of the funniest movies ever, but they reference that. spatulas in the movie. Which so is why there's a whole store. It's a warehouse store called Spatula, Spatula City. City. And all it. they do oh is sell God. spatulas. I'm it's... actually in the market for a spatula, if we're being honest. <laughs> well, Spatula City. <laughs> you gotta go. I was at Home Goods the other day. I was like, I definitely need to buy this. I need them in different sizes, but the line was too long. So I was like, no, I'll come yeah. back another time. I don't want to miss that point, that jump off point. Okay. But, but yes. Movies enough. like that really influenced me. Again, Weird Al is my childhood hero, and... So I like movies like Airplane, the Naked Gun movies. Napoleon Dynamite? Uh, I mean, that came out actually while I was here. And I like it, don't get me wrong. But, like, there's something about those 80s comedies that that just has my sensibility. Like, I love Monty Python as well. Monty Python and Holy Grail, um, even though that was 75. Um, But UHF, like, it, it was just... It really kind of set my comedic sensibility. And again, you saw some of that with what I did here at the radio station. And funny enough, Weird Al, he got his name at um, in college, and he adopted it as his radio DJ name. And that's how he kind of professionally started going by Weird Al. He had a, a late-night show where he would just play goofy music, uh, like do- the Dr. Demento show or other things like that. And to a degree, I tried to do that a little bit, but we still had to... 
to fit within a, a certain format. So we had our Weird Al song of the week where you're hearing college rock and then all of a sudden you hear Weird Al screaming and it's like, now it's time for the Weird Al song of the week. And then we're playing like Smells Like Nirvana or, you know, like <laughs> one of it or White and Nerdy or one of his parodies. So what else did you do while you were here? You were in Cinema Workshop. You were in Rowan Radio. You were just making movies on the side then yet or did that come after? I, I was always, I've been making movies on the side ever since I was a kid. Uh, I mean, picking up my parents' video camera making little stop motion videos or my G.I. Joes or my action figures would be my stars. And then I joined drama club in, in middle school and I realized, oh, wait, there are people who will be stupid for you. <laughs> like, I don't have to do it. Yeah. So I, I was able to convince all my friends to be actors in these in these movies. And don't get me wrong, they're unwatchable now. They're terrible. But that's kind of how I got my start. And even while I was here at Rowan, I still was making movies on the side. And I was in film festivals. Um, there was a, a parody music video I made that actually aired on t uh, Total Request Live when that was still a thing. Carson Daly. I used to love that show. I always had to do it, like just this need to create. That was kind of my outlet. You know, I, I'm not ashamed of it anymore. Like I, I'm, I grew up a geek. I grew up a nerd. That was kind of an outcasty thing growing up. And it's kind of funny now that all the things I loved are that I was made fun of for are now the most popular things. Star Wars, Marvel Comics, uh, Nintendo. Is like, there a little bit of you like, ha? And there is. <laughs> there's a little bit of like, ha, I was right. Yeah. And see, what I liked wasn't so st stupid after all. Mm -hmm. um, and so I always had that sentiment where it's like when I was creating, that kind of helped me get past that that shyness and, that, and being an outcast. It's like a little bit of an outlet for you. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And and even films after I left Rowan, I, I was still coming back to campus and shooting. Like uh, my feature film that I made after I graduated, which ironically was about the the horrors and, and of not I shouldn't say horrors, but the anxieties of graduating as an artist and like, well, how do you make money? How do you go out and be an artist in this world? And we shot scenes here on campus uh, for that. I uh, imagine many graduates have that still. <laughs> and parents have that anxiety about it. I, th I feel the movie still holds up. It's called No Footing. Uh, you can view it online for free on YouTube. Um, but, yeah, we shot scene. We shot a, the graduation scene literally right in front of Bunce Hall. We shot a sequence in, oh, gosh, the, the engineer, one of the engineering buildings. Um, but they have, like, an auditorium yep. uh, built room in there that we had to shoot a, a scene in. That That's good. all good stuff. So that... The company that you you're the co-founder of Mix Nuts Production. Are you still with? You still do that? Who's Absolutely. your co? Who's your other co-founder? Uh, well, he he was my best friend growing up. Gene. He doesn't do it anymore. We, he kind of got away from the movie making stuff in high school. Um, but I I never want to take full credit. You know, like he was the one who was doing it with me, and we called it Mix Nuts because it literally started as a VHS tape. And it was just a series of sketches. And we're like, oh, it's like a can of mixed nuts. Mm. That's how we are. We're like, you don't know what you're going to get next when you when you open it up and, and pull something out. So smart. And also, since it was goofy and silly, nuts, it, like it all seemed to kind of fit. But yeah, we still do it. Gosh, even for a while, we were pretty popular on YouTube with a, a web series that we did called Living in 8 Bits, where it was uh, making fun of retro video games. And we actually had like a cult following in the retro video game community on YouTube. And Which is kind of cool. I mean, that's yeah. A, that's a thing. And now look at how like, um, uh, what is the platform where the kids play the video games? Oh, Twitch. Twitch, yeah. which is a huge thing now where they, these kids essentially just 
watch other kids play video games on I, I don't understand why but they do you know they do for whatever reason you can't but, even watch a movie imagine you had to watch somebody oh, else no. play a video game. yeah no i can't even, I can't even bother with that <laughs> stuff forget that but I, I i do want to go back to your point of all right you created this this movie about you know the anxiety of graduating with this sort of creative degree let's real life it now so like you graduate from rowan you've got this degree what do you do with it? What do you do? Uh, well, exactly, and that's kind of where. Well, and what did you do with it? And well, that's kind of what, what where that came from. So I made that in 2009. I graduated in 2006. So those three years was a lot of experience, I guess you would say. Because when I graduated, when when you're doing film, TV, anything in the arts, there's no set path. There's no direct like like if you're if, and I don't say this to diminish other careers. But like when you're an accountant, there's plenty. There's a lot of opportunities to be an accountant without having to pick up your whole life and leave. You can mm-hmm. be an accountant almost anywhere. In film and TV and radio, you know, it's a little different. It's a little more of a niche thing, especially from a coastal standpoint. And it's especially not as when you're big. first starting out. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and it's not like that in South Jersey. So we I, actually credit that for the reason we're not stars. Right, no. Rob? Not <laughs> yet. Just not, well, not yet, Jess. <laughs> yeah. I would we'll argue see. differently. Thank no, you. I think thank you, you are. Uh, Mike, it all took you 30 seconds here. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying to fish for compliments over here. Come on now. Uh, but, like, I, I actually started substitute teaching for a little bit. I was doing a lot of uh, any indie film projects that came up that paid, like, 100 bucks a day, which is not something that you can live on, no. obviously. I did a lot of medical video, mm-hmm. uh, like supplemental content for publishers where it's like, go to v- 5-1 to see how this procedure was done. And then you find this gross dermatology procedure that I never want to see again in my life. Now they make full shows about that. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, would you watch that? I would, actually. I'd find <laughs> okay. that really interesting. I'll never forget when the doctor said, someone's like, you're either going to think this is the most awesome thing you ever see or the most disgusting thing you ever see. And I, I, it was the latter for me. Okay, all right, all right. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um, I even taught for a little bit. I taught at a film camp teaching kids how to make f- films for about six years at Main Stage Center for the Arts. So I was doing all sorts of different uh, things while making my own movies on the side. Um, and that's kind of why I made No Footing. Was It, it was for artists everywhere that aren't sure what they're going to do with this degree that it kind of – for the initial going and the initial struggle feels worthless. It's almost like, did I waste my life trying to pursue this dream? And it has different artists in there who have different levels of what they consider success. Like one one of the main characters is a guidance counselor who wanted to be a a big theater uh, director and actor. Well, he's happy being a guidance counselor and working for the school drama club. Hmm. Like to him, that's happiness because he he found what he's happy at. Our main character uh, majored in art and graphic design and is coming to terms with, um, you know, all right, maybe you're not going to be like this portrait painter that becomes suddenly famous and selling for millions of dollars, but find worth and value in your art. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of what the film is about. And I kind of helped me kind of figure out my direction in my career because I was like, all right, well. I'm not going to win an Oscar tomorrow. <laughs> like, but you might win an Emmy. <laughs> <laughs> Foreshadow. <laughs> I like that. We can maybe put some reverb on that part there so it sounds like we had an actual effect in this thing. I actually wanted to ask you, what is what was the more exciting win, that World Series ring or the Emmy win? 
I know we're kind of skipping ahead. But. Um, I mean, they're they. My first Emmy and and winning the Phillies winning the pennant kind of came back to back. But when did you start with the Phillies? So I I was still teaching for a little bit and freelancing uh, up until 2012 or 2013, excuse me. And the one thing I didn't have on my reel, like I said, I had indie film, music videos, uh, corporate, um, medical. But the one thing I didn't have was sports. And so I, I needed something sports related. But to get into it at that time, I, I really had no access and I had no contacts in that industry. So through a friend of my dad, uh, a mutual friend, knew Dan Baker, who is the Phillies public address announcer, Rowan legendary alum. announcer, Rowan alum, 52 seasons, I believe now at this point with the Phillies, just on a whim reached out to him and said, hey, can I do a five-minute demo video just on your career to add it to my reel to kind of, you know, give me some sports to show that show me how I can shoot a sports story. Mm -hmm. And Dan, if you've ever met him, is the consummate nicest guy in the world, the eternal optimist. Dear friend, he said on a whim, yes. So I do this video in 2012. And by the next spring, the Phillies were reaching out to me if I was interested wow. in taking a, a entry-level position, which was a little scary at the time because I was a, about to turn 30 going for what would essentially be a job that people when they're 22 were going for. Uh, but what did I, that job look like? What does an entry-level job? A lot of it was logging highlights and game melts. Yeah. Okay. So highlight or uh, logging baseball footage. But... I, I wanted my foot in the door, and I said yes. And so the summer of 2013, I would be teaching in the day from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m., and then I would then drive to the stadium and be there from, like, 3.30 to 11. And I did that for an entire summer, which wow. I don't recommend doing from a, a mental standpoint, yeah. hours working-wise. But that's how I really got my foot in the door, and it was part-time. I was part-time at the Phillies end for six years, and I would uh, make – pump videos, rally videos that we would show on the scoreboard. I would be editing all of our baseball highlights into our server. And more and more, I, I was just given more responsibility and and more. And that's how then I ended up becoming full-time. And now I've been full-time since 2019. But I think the takeaway here, too, is for folks, especially the RTF folks, or actually really any industry for young people coming out of school is – get a little bit more aggressive, right? If we're going to talk mm -hmm. about the career path. I just had this conversation with my nephew. You know, he's getting to the point where he's heading into his junior year, and I'm like, well, where do you want to go? What do you want to do? You've got to start, like, banging on doors. Nobody's going to be coming to you to say, oh, you want you want to work here? No. Mm -hmm. Start building out your network on LinkedIn now. Start being more proactive, which it sounds like which you were, and you were willing to pay the time, too, right? You've got to, you've got to put the time in to be able to get there. We're not going to go from... It's very rare that we go from here's a diploma to being right in front of the camera and calling the game or getting the head job, right? So Oh absolutely. And I had to and even when I got there, I had to earn my stripes and earn the trust. I mean, that is a major league baseball team. There are a lot of eyes yeah. on what goes out there. You know, we can't uh, you can't put out amateur level content. You gotta have quality in there. But I like to think my, my content is quality. I like to think that I do. I'm pretty good at my job. If you go to a Phillies game, uh, our department has a hand in everything that you experience at the game. We produce all the content you see on all the video boards in the stadium. Everything you hear and see goes through our department, which is Phillies Productions um, and also Fanavision. So a lot of what I do, I pr 
produce a lot of the hype videos that you see on the screen, especially before the team takes the field, we call it the open video. And it's a minute to a minute 15 hype video to get the fans really immersed, really excited as the team takes the field. So we introduced a new aspect to it where we had like a light show. So before the team took the field, the stadium went completely black. And the fans had no idea this was coming. And then all of a sudden, the lights are flashing and the video is showing. And, and it really got fans hyped up and fun. pumped up. Like, that all went through us. I was the editor on the video. Our graphics department did all the side graphics. And a couple people, uh, um, my boss included, uh, sat there with the lighting designer and designed the whole light show. So we have a team of about, I don't know the exact number, but maybe about 12 to 15 people full-time who create all this when you're in the game and you're watching it you know in between innings we want to keep fans engaged you'll see features on the scoreboard like ask the phillies is one of our most popular one where we ask the players goofy questions like uh, one of our favorites from this past year was what's in brandon marsh's beard <laughs> and and people had funny answers or we ask them it's like what was your favorite song growing up what's the song that gets you on the dance floor like personality questions to get to know the players well, that's stuff that keeps the fans engaged. We produce all that in-between content, but then also while the game's in progress, we'll also have uh, crowd prompts. So like in between pitch, we'll have a graphic that pops up that says make noise or get loud. We'll have like noise meters. One of our popular things uh, that we did during the 2022 playoffs, we shot a hype video with Jason Kelsey of the Philadelphia Eagles. And it's him just yelling at the camera, like, get up, get up. <laughs> and if you're curious, Todd Zalecki just wrote an article about this on phillies.com. Like, we'll produce stuff like that. And through that, I've gotten to do stuff with uh, Jason Kelsey, Charles Barkley. Uh, one of my dreams, uh, or made me so happy as a, as a fan, um, I got to do it with the cast of Boy Meets World oh. this past year. I, I've done a video. They're, with, they're doing it. I think they have a podcast. They have a podcast. They yeah. do. Pod Where is Corey? Is he? I That I don't know. <laughs> just... Apparently, he's running for Congress. Okay. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I had no idea that was a thing. Okay. I've just been personally wondering that, so I'm okay. glad you uh, that. Okay. We also did bad. it with Rob McElhinney and Caitlin Olsen from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. So it's like when we get celebrities in, I'll get to film them doing these hype videos, and then we edit and put it on the screen. If the team is down or tied in a later inning and you need a, somebody to get pumped up, we'll play a hype video. Um, so it's all that content that you'll see in the ballpark. I also, uh, and this is where my Roan Radio stuff comes in handy, I also edit our TV and radio commercials. So when you're watching the game on TV, you'll see commercials promoting upcoming games or upcoming uh, giveaways or just a general uh, just a general hype video, 30-second uh, spot. I, that, a lot of that goes through me. Uh, all, if you're listening on the radio, I'm producing a lot of the radio spots. We'll get Scott Fransky down. I'll record maybe two months' worth of spots at a time, and I'll edit it all together. And what's well, really funny, when I first started doing it, um, I would record a scratch track myself doing it so I could do the edit before we laid Scott in. And people were like, oh, you have a radio voice. <laughs> like, you have experience doing that. I'm like, well, yes, I do. I did it at Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS. Have you ever done that Chewbacca impression? <laughs> you should ask. So I do a lot of that. And also at the games, I'm also in the dugouts or in the camera wells filming cinematic game footage that we'll use for marketing, that we'll use for these hype videos, all that. There are some times where there's games where it's like I'm out there shooting. It's like, oh, man, I, you know, this is not going well. I... You know, why am I still doing it? And then 
Bryce Harper hits his 300th career home run. Yeah. And we captured this major moment that we're then getting requests. Uh, I don't know if you saw Sunday Night Football had a piece with Bryce Harper not yeah. too long ago. That footage was ours that I sent them. Uh, that I happened to be out there shooting uh, with an actually uh, another one of our shooters who was an intern is a Rowan student, Lee Cotson. And he actually got this angle of Harper kissing his jersey. <laughs> and he's one of the only people who got that angle mm-hmm. of it. And it then got asked to use on Sunday Night Football. Uh, so sometimes y- you never know what's going to happen. I yeah. mean, that's the beauty of sports. That's the beauty of baseball. And you kind of take your chances. Now and- you're a huge Phillies fan, right? I am, yes. Yeah. What's it like to be wearing a ring like that? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it is pretty surreal. I never meant to work in baseball. I always wanted to make movies. So I never, you know, got out of college thinking like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to seek to work for a baseball team. Like if, if the Mets offered me a job, I'd be like, yeah, like I don't want to work for the Mets. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't like, I don't want to work for, like I have no interest or desire, but the Phillies have always been my number one sports team. Not only like as a Philadelphia sports fan, as they are my number one team forever. Mm Mm-hmm. And a lot of that comes with my dad was a big baseball fan. And so I would go to games with him. And we didn't have many interests, again, me being a geek and all that. We didn't share many interests, but we shared the love of baseball. And it was the first job I ever had that he understood. I I lost my dad four years ago. Hmm. And the reason why this ring is so important to me, before I started working at the Phillies, my dad ran into someone who I had graduated high school with, uh, his, his dad, and he, he worked there for 2008 Phillies. And so his dad was saying, like, oh, I got this World Series ring. It's so cool. And my dad came home and was just like, you know, you heard about so-and-so and they got a World Series ring. Wouldn't that be so cool if you did that and you were working there and you got a ring? And um, it'll be four years soon that we lost my dad. So he never got to see this. But I'll, I'll, right before Bryce Harper hit the Bedlam at the Bank home run, I'm in the dugout if you – Anybody remembers that game? It was pouring rain only when we were pitching for some reason. And I looked up. I'm not, not making this up. I looked up to the sky. I said, Dad, we need two runs. Mm-hmm. And then Bryce hits the home run. And so. It's like he da- gave you the ring. My dad's dream was to see our family name on one of these. So the night we got this, which was actually the day of the Michael Lorenzo no hitter, my dad was the first one who had to see the ring. Mm-hmm. So I, the next thing I did the next morning, I was went to the cemetery, mm. wow. make sure he saw it first. That's wow. cool. Oh, you're gonna make me cry. Now. Yeah. <laughs> it but, is huge. It's a huge ring, by the way. Yeah, yeah you rock that every day, or what? It's the size of a, well, a, a small monitor for my. You know, like, like, <laughs> it's so, like the size of an Apple uh, like face of a watch. But I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I wear it every chance I get. Yeah. Because, one, I think of my dad. Um, I think of how fortunate I am. I don't consider myself lucky because I, I don't consider myself getting there lucky. I consider myself fortunate to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. Yes. And this doesn't come around often, as we saw this this past off season, unfortunately. So I'm going to wear this with pride mm-hmm. every chance that I get. And I don't care if it seems like I'm showing it's got off. It's more diamonds or... than my wedding ring, so <laughs> I'm jealous. Right. And I've never had – I don't wear watches. I don't – like, I've never been a jewelry yeah. uh, guy. But 
It would. I've, if, honestly, if I have something like that, I'm putting that on. Rob, I'd love to see it. Yeah, <laughs> you're welcome to try it on. <laughs> I'd be like Flavor Flav. I'd have something big and gaudy around my neck. You know what I mean? You know, it'd be so great. I'd be like, Yo, you're gonna know. You're gonna know that I work for the Phillies. We're doing this because oh I think it's a cool gig. You got to geek out. I mean, at some point, there's there's Mike the fan, then there's Mike the the Phillies employee. You're interacting with these these athletes, which people would die to interact with on a regular basis and here you are going in and, and that's that's your regular it's it is surreal at times like i had lunch with mike schmidt before i like I, um i've interviewed chase utley i've i anybody on the roster i've met them and talked to them like i've i've uh uh i was really tight with uh aaron nola uh, Reese Hoskins, I was really tight with. Um, I'm good with Brandon Marsh. Like he'll always give me a fist bump when he sees me on the field. Um, How cool! Was like, there anybody that you were really kind of like? <laughs> can't say what. <laughs> I just can't say that. No, no, I'm not going to ask. For, I'm asking for the positive way. Oh, okay, okay. I was going to ask that, but we're not going to do that because obviously we'll, you know, we'll do that offline. Um, but was there any? Is there anybody out there that kind of still start, makes you starstruck? Oh gosh. Uh, you know what's? Uh, it's when I get to the older guard, like the Ryan Howards and the and the Chase Utleys. Oh, because that world. was the formative and, years. After. Yeah. yeah, like those those were years where I was fans. Like it's weird now. Like I'm friends with Mickey Morandini. The '93. I was nine years old for the '93 team. Like I was the perfect age to be a baseball fan for that team. And the fact that I'm friends with Mickey. Yeah, like we got our rings together. I have a picture with me and Mickey getting our rings. Um, it's it. It, it, I do still sometimes get starstruck around them. Like, the current players, like, even, I mean, let's be honest, like, Bryce Harper is a superstar. Mm-hmm. I still get, like, nervous because yeah. it's like, oh, my gosh, it's Bryce Harper. It's, but he's a coworker, And he he's always been great to me. Uh, he'll He's done whatever I, we ask him to do. But there's still an element of, he's Bryce Harper. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and, uh, and I still get that sometimes with, like, Mike Schmidt. I mean, I, I think of um, – all the all the alumni players that I've talked to, I know the like the whole 1980 team. I'm friends with Gary Matthews, like Sarge and I are buddies. That's cool. Like, He's fun. He's fun. Like it, it's it's weird. It so I don't get as starstruck, I guess, anymore because there's a point where you have to separate that, or else you can't do your job effectively. Yeah. Yeah. And a job that's earned you two Emmys, which is crazy. <laughs> yes, I do have. To. <laughs> I do have two of them. You were mentioning Flavor Flavor earlier. My friends tell me I should put them around chains. <laughs> yes. But they're, they're so heavy. <laughs> Just so sorry, do I can't wear gimmick. these. Just do it for a gimmick. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. You're weighing me down. Yeah. But I, I do have uh, uh, two Emmys. Um, they're just sitting in my living room. It's Does weird. everybody it's... get an Emmy when you're like, so you win an Emmy and you're a big cast or a big crew or a production team? Everybody gets an it's, Emmy. It's whoever you submit when uh, okay. uh, the names that you submit when you initially submit it. Okay. Um, so the first one was I did uh, with a couple coworkers. We did a video for Roy Holiday's number thirty-four retirement. So we retired Roy Holiday's number uh, during the twenty twenty-one season. So it was our tribute video that we put out there and has interviews with Charlie Manuel, Cole Hamels, Roy Oswalt, uh, Kyle Kendrick. So and I remember being in Philly. Uh, it was for the Mid Atlantic Regional Emmys, and they said our name. And I'm like, that can't be real. I, you know, and you go up there and you're holding it. It's like the first time I've ever held something like that. And I said, this is for you, Dad. And I walked off stage and they took it back. Like, what? Oh, what? And it's like, <laughs> no, you have to go to another room to get yours. They give you a prop one to oh, hold on stage. Wow. This one's got chocolate inside. <laughs> 
But yeah, like I took it home and like I would just hold it like okay. in my lap. Of course, because it's cool. And then we got, uh, yeah, then we won the pennant right after that. And then last year, the second Emmy is for a short film that I made, which is kind of my childhood culmination come together, where I actually do still fan out with the Philly Fanatic. Like, the Philly Fanatic is my sensibility of comedy. I grew up watching all the movies that Video Dance Stevenson used to make, with them, like Channel Surfing Fanatic, Fanatico's Hollywood. Yeah, they're all meant for kids. Um, but I had an opportunity to create an action-adventure movie. Um, Sean Rainey, our, our director of video production, came to me with an idea uh, before our fireworks shows last year. He want, We wanted to do something that was a little above and beyond just, oh, the fireworks going off. Yeah. And Game Entertainment wanted to do a 3D projection mapping on the field like you see at NHL or Harina. Yeah, those but are cool. You, but you don't see them much at baseball no. because you don't have many opportunities where it's dark enough to see it. So it was something that was going to lead into the fireworks show. So Sean then came up with this idea, well, why don't we do a short film and make it like National Treasure meets 24? And I got to write and direct this action-adventure short film where the fanatic has to save the world. And Mickey Mordini plays a part in it. Chase Utley plays a part in it. Bryce Harper, Ryan Howard, Mike Schmidt, Jimmy Rollins are all in it. I got to use a lot of my friends and contacts from the film industry. And essentially it's an eight-minute film that has us going through all the major sites in Philadelphia. And when the fanatic gets to the stadium in real time, he then came out live on the field. So it was like a Disney World 4D experience that then led into this 3D or 4D projection show. And then it ended with the fireworks show. And it became this big immersive experience. The first night we did it, we had, I think it was 36,000 tickets. We sold out the second show based on word of mouth. I think we sold 8,000 more tickets wow. because people were talking on social media about how cool the show was. Wow. So we put the film together. We put it out on YouTube, and our team just won an Emmy for it. So cool. That Congratulations. Cool. Thank you. I really enjoy what I do. Um, I'm very fortunate that I get to do what I do. And I, I'm making a living making movies for the Phillies. I, I mean, that's, that's really what I do. Jess, I have a great idea. So in the interview, Mike referenced the whole idea of he does the hype videos. Yeah. We need a hype video for this podcast. We should have asked but, him while uh, he was here. Well, he no, remember he said they, they turn off the lights. Yeah. And they do these like, bow, 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 bow. <laughs> they do. well, he didn't make those sound effects. He made other <laughs> he sound effects not. actually in the, in the actual interview. But imagine if we had lasers and stuff to promote this podcast. I mean. Especially I, this episode. Yeah. We should talk to Derek um, and Advancement about the budget for <laughs> For laser pyro. light shows. We can get pyro or something. But Listen, no, how cool was that gig he's got? It's so cool. And I, what you all missed was that Rob um, got to try on yeah. the World Series ring. And yeah. it looked just ridiculous on your finger. It absolutely, it's, yeah. it's a huge ring. It's a huge ring. And I'm not a big cat either. So it just makes it, it, was, it took up my whole hand here, basically. What was it like to try that on? It was heavy. Yeah. It was heavy, yeah. But it was great. It was, Mike, 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 uh, Mike is doing great things at the Phillies. It's kind of cool to have him... Uh, to have him come back to studio where it all sort of started and he got his love for you know TV and film. Hasn't been here in 10 years, which is wild because like he said, he, he spent so much time. He, I know. He's around the corner. I know. We got to get these people back in studio. That. Yep. A lot of alums who, I feel like it's almost like out of sight, out of mind where sometimes you're so close to it, you don't, you know, you don't see it, but yeah. I know. No. Got to get him back here more often. Yeah. Um, really the first thing on his radar will be to record a first promo thing on my radar us. is I'm going to go home and start looking on that lasers. I'm going to start writing that email. You know, we have some budget. alums that, um, you know, pretty much have drones. Yeah. Oh, maybe we need, oh, that's what we should do. Yes, we should get them. 
Okay. We really need to get them on the pod as well. So if you're interested in being on the pod, we And do... you have drone or lasers in <laughs> yeah. your yes. space. Yeah, or not or nothing related to that. You could go to <laughs> go.rowan.edu backslash B T B G guest. So that's beyond the brown and gold. So B T B G guest. And we want to know more about your story as well. You've been listening to Beyond the Brown and Gold on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. You can find more episodes on your favorite podcasting platforms by searching for Beyond the Brown and Gold or Rowan Radio On Demand.